Good morning, y'all. You know what I used to say all the time? Hey. And you're supposed to answer back. Thank you. Yesterday, we had an extraordinary event here at Unity of Wimberley. We honored our friend Santa Garcia Heineman, uh, who passed from this life earlier this month. And um, it was a tearful and joyful celebration. And it's always good for us to um, immerse ourselves in these things because it reminds us that those two coexist. And, and yesterday was a beautiful demonstration of that. Um, I was looking around at many faces that were there yesterday that I haven't seen in person in all the months that we've been apart. And so there was a joyful reunion element to it as well. And I was thinking today about all those sweet faces that I saw known to me and, and people that I was just meeting or didn't get a chance to meet. And it seemed to me, as I reflected upon it, that the people who are always the most joyful every time I'm around them are people who are not waiting for the world to make them joyful. They are bringing joy to the world. Therefore, they're experiencing, experiencing joy more often. Uh, that's the good news. <laughs> the other news is that if we bring something other than that to our day, to our life, to our world, we're going to experience that as well. I, I was thinking about myself this morning, and I... I recall that I've always had a healthy dose of melancholy. And I remember that ever since I was a child. I was reading the Bronte sisters and Thomas Hardy by the time I was 11 years old. There you go. Nothing like some dark, gothic novels to really, you know, drive it home. And... Um, and so I've always had that about me and can tend to go in that direction. So for me, the choice for joy is a conscious one. It is a purposeful one. And it's taken many years to get myself to the place where choosing joy is something that uh, has become second nature. It's not always first nature, but it's second nature. And uh, that's a hard thing for me to admit about myself because I would prefer to think of myself as always joyful, always have been, always will be. But I know that for me, it has to be a choice all the time. And that goes for other qualities as well that we bring to life. When I speak about a new world vision today, it's about examining our vision it's about examining what we bring to life. And with everything that we've been through, through all these months, it's important for us to breathe, and I know that many of us have been doing that breathing, but the, the other part of the great inhale to give us life is the great exhale to let it go. 
And so we inhale, and we have to make sure that when we exhale, we exhale completely. And it feels like we're in the stage now of the great exhale. We have uh, begun to emerge from what is still a world pandemic, global pandemic. Can you believe we're even saying those words? Can you believe that? That piece of disbelief can cause us to hold our breath. <laughs> but we're emerging from that now. And so to let go of everything that we have held on to in our confusion and disorientation and grief and wonder even, I, it's not all negative. Many of us have discovered some very positive changes and positive attitudes for our lives because of this. But there's been enough that has affected us, if not personally, then in the collective consciousness that it's time for us to let it all go so that we can inhale into what's next. And so it's very important that we think about what we're contributing individually in the development of our own lives for what's next, but also what we're contributing in consciousness to the rest of the world. So there's the inner work, there's the outer manifestation, there's the inner work of prayer, there's the outer manifestation that prayer leads us to, which is kindness and uh, generosity and goodwill toward our fellow humans. So it's inner and then external, inner and then external, inner and then external. Yesterday, there were so many children Oh, and it was such a blessing to see all those kids and hear all those kids. Uh, you know, I've gotten used to, over the years, having fussy babies and restless children in church. That's not an issue. Yesterday, it was, uh, it was a joyful welcome to hear those children, to hear their fussiness, to hear their restlessness, to hear their joy, to hear the, all those sounds. And those of you who have children at home, those of you who have grandchildren, those of you who have great-grandchildren, if you're able to be with them, embrace those kids. Embrace those children because we're embracing the future, and it's important for us to give everything good that we can to them to encourage them in the way that they are going. And I've spoken with many of you, and I have many friends who are looking at how do we now contribute to make up for the unconscious mistakes that we've made in our generations so that we can begin to heal the earth, so that we can begin to heal each other, so that we can begin to heal our attitudes. Friends have spoken about this before. I'm going to speak about it again. We are in a tremendous shift right now, and I'm going to keep talking about this because it is so impactful that we can either go along with it and contribute to it or we can get steamrolled by it in our lives and in our, in our uh, reactions. So uh, what do you say we cooperate with the shift and see what it holds for us? I can tell you, in case you're considering not cooperating with the shift, that it's going to get painful. 
because the world is going to move. Consciousness is going to move. People are going to change and shift. It's happening. There's a great migration of people from one location to another. There's a great migration in the uh, job market. There's a great migration in the workplace. There are um, uh, small businesses that did not survive this, and they're having to uh, gather themselves and see what's next. So we can go along with it, or we can resist it. And I love what the Daily Word said today, and I just want to read this part again to you. My tranquil bearing inspires peacefulness wherever I go and with everyone I meet. That's another aspect that I see peaceful people because they bring peace. They're not waiting for peace to happen to them. Let me smack you with some peace. It's not going to happen. That's kind of oxymoronic, isn't it? <laughs> Bam, I'm peaceful. Each day, I join like-minded people everywhere in a renewed commitment to be a presence of peace. Are you that? Are you that? Are you bringing peace? Or are you bringing strife? Are you bringing discord? Are you bringing dissatisfaction? Are you bringing... Um, Stale attitudes. What are you bringing? And, uh, beloved, I want to tell you that I am not under the any kind of uh, illusion that this is easy. It's made easier by our cooperation, our willingness, our prayerful consideration. But it's not always easy. And I, I wouldn't ask you and encourage you to engage in this unless I was doing it myself. And I, it's not easy. Can I get an amen? That was just a big exhale you heard. <sighs> I had to remind myself this week, I felt like I was just boom, 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 boom pounding away at things all week long. And I, and I thought, oh man, I am weary and immediately, the voice in my head said, so, yeah, what did Jesus do when he was weary? Yeah, he rested. He withdrew. He went to the mountaintop. And uh, it's important for us, we don't have to go on a retreat. We don't have to take a day off. It's nice if we can. But we can go to the mountain anytime we want to. And it's a great inhale and an even greater exhale. That's the mountain. That's the mountain of rest. And so I encourage you as you engage in the great shift that you go to the mountain. I want to share with you a piece of scripture that is familiar to you. And if you've been in unity for a while, this is going to be one where you're just going, oh no, not that one. Because it's a piece of scripture, it's a verse that has been misused for, I don't know, a couple of thousand years. Uh, and I want to share it with you in a new context. So it's John 3.16. Yeah, see? See? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I'm reading from Eric Butterworth's book that we've been studying now for the second month, Spiritual Economics. And I'm going to read Eric Butterworth's words to you because they're so good. It is commonly thought and taught that this refers to Jesus, that Jesus was the only begotten son. That was the way I was taught. Is that, is that what you got? Just one, just one son, that's it. And by believing in him, we attain eternal life. And I know that my melancholy child self asked, what about the people who don't believe in Jesus? What about the people who never heard of Jesus? And the answer was always, well, go tell them. That's a big burden for a kid to hear. You know, how am I going to get to all those people who don't know Jesus? They're not going to go to heaven. So just let that part go. The whole structure of the traditional Christian view rests on this foundation concept, which is, by and large, a misconception. Meister Eckhart, the medieval mystic monk, gives the key that unlocks the true meaning of John 3.16. God never begot but one son, but the eternal is forever begetting the only begotten. Hang on. In other words, God so loved you that God gave you that which is begotten only of God. God loves you so much that that which is of God was given to us. While much of your human self bears the influence of your parental background and also of your sociological experiences in life, Yet there is that of you, the whole person of you, the self of you, which is only begotten of God. Does that make a little more sense? If you just interpret it, you know, we talk about the Christ spirit being that same thing that was in Jesus Christ being also in us, the spirit of the divine. God gave his only begotten Christ spirit born of God, the Christ Spirit, to us, that we might have eternal life. Does that help a little bit with that scripture? I love that. I love that. And so it behooves us, does it not, to examine and nurture and, and flourish in that begotten self that is of God. That's what is engaging in the great shift that we're going about. I found a little uh, a diagram that makes sense to me that is a good, it's a good way for you to maybe examine what you're doing in the world now, whether you're uh, actively working, if you're retired, whatever you're doing. And I hope you can read that from there. The top circle says, that which you love, and I'm going to go around the clock, that which the world needs, that which you can be paid for, that which you are good at. And at the different places that this intersects shows you that your mission is that which you love combined with that which the world needs. 
Your vocation is that which the world needs combined with that which you can be paid for. Your profession is that which you can be paid for and that which you are good at. And your passion is that which you are good at and that which you love. Isn't that a beautiful diagram? If, you, if you're watching this online and can take a screenshot of this, do. Because this is, a good, this is a good thing for us to remember because most of us grew up wanting to exist, being taught to exist in, at, at 6 o'clock and, and 9 o'clock, right? So that we can make money. Uh, that which you can be paid for and that which you're good at. And sometimes we got paid for stuff we weren't even good at. Um, that which we're good at and that which we love, uh, which falls into the area of passion, was the hobby, right? We're passionate about this thing. It has nothing to do with our work life. I'm just talking about broad statements here, broad traditional statements. Our vocation, ah, we began to get a picture of that when we found something that the world needed that we could get paid for. Wow, that's good. You see a lot of people changing professions to do their vocation. But if we move it up to mission, this is where the shift occurs. That which you love and that which the world needs. Because that which the world needs is a big place. The world needs people who are awake. It needs people who have a mission. It needs people who have a passion. It needs people who are willing to make the world a better place now. And so, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're in the workforce actively right now on a salary or a wage, or if you are a creative who is out there uh, bringing your vocation, your mission, your passion, and your profession together, with the, then you're a star, I guess. You're a star right there in the middle. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're retired. You still have a mission. And maybe it's also a vocation. And perhaps it is your profession. And perhaps you're passionate about it. You see, if we, can get, if we can get two out of four, we're in a good spot, aren't we? I have a friend who works on my teeth. Have y'all seen this enough? Okay. I have a friend who works on my teeth. She makes, she makes my visits more than my dental health. She makes it about self-care. She makes it about mindfulness. She makes it about paying attention. She makes it uh, as though my mouth were holy. And you know, the funny thing is, it is. Every single part of your body is holy. 
just as the body that you are is part of the greater body. And so, beloved, we're starting. This that I showed you is a little bit of the um, internal to external vision. That's where you start. From that internal to the external. And then you give that to the world. And then the world begins to shift around you. You begin to shift in the world. And you begin to engage in this new world vision. And beloved, you know that as we have the great exhale, there are things that are going to fall away. They're going to fall away in our lives. They're going to fall away around us. They're going to fall away as a destruction in the world. I'm not trying to be apocalyptic here. I'm just saying that with a great shift, lots of things get sloughed off. And some of you have felt it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had relationships that have changed or been enriched. You have people that have been your friends that no longer, you're not in alignment with each other anymore. Or family members. You're not in alignment with your job. You're not... What I'm trying to say here is that it is vitally important for us to pay attention. To pay attention. Where can we be of service? And, uh, and one of the things that we can pray is if you're casting about going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what this means. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Is you ask. You ask knowing that everything is being revealed to you right now. And as you do so, your eyes will be opened, your ears will be opened. You will see things that were always there, but you never really looked at them before. Or maybe I have that backwards. You looked at it, but you didn't really see it. Yesterday, in Santa's service, uh, the obituary that was put together by all of her family noted that when Santa received a terminal cancer diagnosis, she chose not to use the words fighting cancer because she didn't want to take on a spirit of aggression. She didn't want to wake up with the word fight at the front of her consciousness. The word she wanted at the front of her consciousness was, I'm going to live. I will live. And she did. She lived right up until the day she died. And even then, as you know, she kept on living. She kept on living just in a different form. She kept on living with a different purpose. I have a feeling, based on what we observed of Santa's life, that, um, that she had a lot of work to do on the other side of this life. You know, on that other side of the veil that's so thin. She had something else to do. And uh, I have no doubt that spirit was able to use that great spirit in her 
that only begotten Christ's self-daughter that she is in a mighty way. Unfiltered, with nothing else except the pure spirit of Santa out there giving. So if, if someone can do that in their dying days, I think we can do that in our living days, don't you? I really think that's what we're about. And uh, I will advise you of this. Drink water. Eat clean food. Rest. Take upon yourself only those things which add to your life, not use up your energy. I have a friend that was going to... Um, What's coming up for me, a 50th high school reunion, and, uh, and holds different political views than people that were going to be there, a lot of people that were going to be there, and uh, was afraid he might stir up some trouble. And I just reminded him, persuading takes a whole lot of energy. Don't waste your precious energy on places where your energy is not Welcomed or needed. That's an important thing for us to remember. And you know what it feels like when you're trying to get somebody to think your way? It's exhausting. You get this little rush of adrenaline and we're so used to that little, that little IV injection of adrenaline rushing through our bodies that we're just going to get up there and we're going to show them my, this is if you would just think the way I do, you'd be happy, damn it. <laughs> okay. Don't know that that's the most persuasive thing you could ever say. But you know what that energy feels like when you're saying, okay, well, if I try to say it this way, or maybe if I go at it this way, if I lower my voice a little bit, they will pay better attention and they'll see what I'm trying to say. Stop. It, I, I have to do this myself because I'll just get up in a little knot. I can get spun up so good trying to uh, persuade people. And I'm kind of in the vocation of persuasion. So it's a real risk for me. <laughs> but I also want to share with you that I don't teach things that I don't need to learn myself over and over and over again. And I'm pretty sure that's why God picked me to do this. It's because otherwise I'd be lazy spiritually. And I got to stay on my game. And I fail all the time. But I have, to stay, I have to stay centered and grounded and on purpose as much as I can. Or else my words here are hollow, empty, meaningless. And it's a waste of your energy and mine. So take that with you. Please, use, use me. Take that energy wherever you go so that... You are delivering words of joy, words of truth, actions of generosity. You're giving of yourself, and that is the magic formula, and I'm going to talk about that aspect of it more next week, about how we give of ourselves, 
because giving is the uh, open flow to receiving. We don't do the giving because we want to receive. We do the giving because that's what we were born to do, whether it's of our tithe, our talent, our treasure, our uh, everything. We do it because we are built to do that. It is in our DNA as the only begotten ones of God. You see? And for us to resist that is uh, painful. It hurts, and it makes us tired. And if you've been used to giving your energy in one particular direction, and that avenue is no longer open to you, I promise you another avenue will reveal itself to you for you to give of your best. You can look at that diagram that we just looked at together and see where am I living here? Where, where am I today? And give of that. It's, it's a beautiful formula for abundant and meaningful living which is what we say every Sunday. Healthy, abundant, and meaningful living. Would that be okay with you? That's, um, that's our dream, isn't it? And it's our dream for everyone. So, I'll leave you with that. To be continued next week. Um, let's take a little time to pray, shall we? So, uh, rather than starting with a deep breath in, exhale first. You can make noise if you need to. And then breathe in. And every time you exhale, might be good to um, think of one thing you're willing to let go of. It might be uh, anger, resentment, fear, jealousy. Beloved, the same spirit that creates all that good in you also heals that which no longer serves you. This new world vision is a burden of light and it is a light burden. If you breathe into your deepest heart, can you find, can you access the light bearer that you are? Bringing light and peace, bringing joy and healing, bringing generosity and kindness, Remember the man 
who was speaking with Jesus. And Jesus said, if only you believe. And the man said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So God will reveal to you, Spirit reveals to you that which needs to be healed and does it. Listen, listen to your heart song. Listen. What is it calling you to do? Who is it calling you to be? Are you ready for your inner and your outer to match up with each other? You are a beloved child of the Most High. Always. A beloved child of the Most High. You are that. Embrace. Embrace that. Breathe, beloved, breathe. Be with that silence for a moment. Let the silence speak to you from the depths of your being. And I invite you, even if your outer self is not yet ready, I invite you to appeal to your inner self and ask the question, am I ready for this shift? Can I contribute to the change in the world? And listen to that still, small voice within you say, yes. Yes. Keep breathing. The work of spirit is being done in you right now, and all is well, all is well, and all is well. 
gently, gently, your feet will find their way in the world. And if it feels like you're a child beginning to walk, it's okay. Be safe. Ask for help. Move slowly. And on the other hand, you might be stepping forward boldly. Either way, the confidence of God lives in you, the passion, the mission, lives in you as the Christ Spirit. It is your very own, your constant companion. And for those of you that are joining us from afar, I reach out my hands to you so that you know that in this world you are not alone. I represent many who stand with you, who walk with you, who carry the vision with you, who carry out the vision with you. And beloved, here in the room, open your eyes when you're ready. Open your eyes. Be bold. You're ready. You're doing it. And so it is. Amen.